Welcome to Living in a Material World, and I'm your host, David Prada. Today's guest is biotech beauty entrepreneur, Lee Winters. Thank you so much for being on our show today. Welcome, Lee. Thank you for having me. I am so thrilled to be here. I'm so excited. We kind of got acquainted with one another during lockdown, and I think it was like, maybe, did you jump on one of the classes I was holding? That is how it all began. I remember getting an email from a friend of mine who has an amazing sort of platform, Make Lane, for entrepreneurs. And I was like, you know, it's lockdown. She's having this fabulous person on who is like the retail guru. And I remember looking at your name and being like, I just read an article with this David Parada feature in it about like CBD being a big hit for this year in the cut. And I was like, this guy knows his stuff. Like I'm totally joining. So I remember joining and immediately was like, his energy is fabulous. Like I just remember being enamored with you and it was probably the most useful webinar that I had attended during lockdown, which, you know, at that point of the year had been sort of every day people had been hosting these webinars and Zoom meetings. And I was like, I need this person in my orbit. And here we are. I know. It's so wonderful. We stayed in each other's orbit for a few years until we finally got to meet in person not too long ago. And it was just like, you know, two peas from the same pod. It was like, it was amazing. It was like, we were at this seminar downtown LA and we stuck around each other the whole entire day pretty much. I know. I know. Sometimes you need a buddy at some of these beauty events. And especially for me, that event in LA was the first one post COVID. And it was a brand new event. So it's a brand new format. We didn't get an attendee list. You're sort of like, I'm here I am, right? You show up. You're like, who am I going to meet today? Where is this life going to take me? And so I'm so glad in-person events are back. Me too. You were the main reason for me going too, because I was just so excited to finally meet you in person because we had had so many calls and Zoom meetings and some really fun conversations about products you were working on. And at the time you were developing your own brand. And so I want all of our listeners to know a little bit more about your background and how it all began. Right. I mean, so where to even start? I mean, we start at the very, very beginning. I was born in New York and I spent most of my childhood in Tokyo, Japan and Sydney, Australia. So I had a very crossed cultural upbringing, which I think really sort of influenced my ideas about beauty and really was a big part of how I even got into this industry in the first place. But I spent my older years, high school and college in the States. And there was really no sort of clear path, I think, when I was at that time and at that age thinking like beauty, right? Or like that there was something in this industry for me. I was always really interested in the science. So I ended up going to graduate school. My background is actually in aromatic chemistry and neuroscience. So that was the path that really opened things up for me, I would say. When I got to Columbia University in New York City for graduate school, that was where I was like, whoa, there is a big world out there of really, really technical people on the product development side of this part of our lives that not many people think about. I mean, everybody that I know wakes up in the morning, they brush their teeth, they wash their face, they put on deodorant. And much like I say recycling, right? Like not many consumers in you know the average household have any idea 
what goes into making the products that they're using or who are the people that are even doing it. And so when I started to really think about that and I was working in this field, I was like, wow, there's a lot of potential here to innovate, especially when you think about the fact that legacy chemistries in the cosmetic chemistry space have really gone unchallenged for the last 40 plus years. So you just like dove deep into it and you started working with, you know, it's interesting because I started in the beauty industry during a lot of the clean movement and the indie brands. And so I think that's what most people knew me as the guy that kind of launched a lot of the indie, clean, luxurious products. And there's companies out there that are in the biotech world that have been purchasing a lot of these clean beauty brands and just reformulating and changing the ingredients that they source. Can you go into that a little bit more? I would say I came into beauty at a time where the clean beauty movement was in full swing. And when you look at sort of the narrative arc and the history there, it makes a lot of sense. And beauty has really been the scapegoat for a lot of folks when it comes to science communication, right? Like this fear mongering around parabens and phthalates kind of gets people thinking like, well, the largest source of those are actually in the furniture around us, in our air, in our soil, yet somehow the marketing around beauty was like really able to galvanize people around this fear because we really fear for our health. And it was kind of easy and oftentimes didn't have the data to back it up to make this connection between like what we put on our skin gets into our body and affects our entire like interconnectedness as a physiological being. And so when I think about the clean beauty movement and sort of how it dovetails with biotech, there's really been this myth that natural ingredients are safer and better. But when it really comes down to it, where something comes from tells you absolutely nothing about its safety. You know, when I always sort of give the example of botulinum toxin, right? Like Botox is actually one of the most toxic substances of all time, yet it's commonly used and FDA approved and gets put into a lot of people's faces and bodies for cosmetic purposes. So we're at this really interesting crossroads in beauty right now where there are some clean beauty brands that are really on the biotech or green chemistry bandwagon. And they sort of understand this nuanced concept that in order to truly be quote unquote clean or sustainable when they're thinking about all the planes, trains, and automobiles it takes to move their raw materials around the world, to formulate a product, to put it in a primary and secondary packaging and then get it to a consumer. These calculations look a lot different than they did even like five or 10 years ago when talking about the whole entire life cycle of a supply chain and product development. What's interesting, really on the flip side, what's happening right now in some biotech beauty acquisitions is that some of them are not really making a whole lot of sense. And it kind of leads some of us on this side of the industry to hedge our bets as to where things are headed. There have been some recent acquisitions of quote unquote, all natural brands or brands that source all their raw materials from one geographic location or part of the world. And their entire marketing story and brand is sort of built on the beauty of that. And then you sort of come in and have these larger conglomerates take a position or a majority stake in them. 
and you're wondering what that future of that brand is going to look like. One, are they going to reformulate to create entirely new, to move away from that ethos, right? That this entire brand was built on. So I think we're in the early stages with some of these like bigger players getting involved and understanding how they can evolve those brands and what the benefit is going to be and what that looks like coming out of it. Because time will tell. There are amazing indie brands, some of which you have launched yourself, right? That sometimes that magic can get zapped out of them in the wrong hands. And we've seen that in history. So for the average listener that really doesn't understand biotech and doesn't understand kind of like the whole transition of biotech beauty acquisitions and biotech and the green movement and all that, for The average listener, when they think of an ingredient that has come from biotech, what is the main, for me, it's like hyaluronic acid and things like that came from me. The first ones I ever used were from biotech. So it's like, is there more out there that the consumer is so aware of because they love using hyaluronics and they love using niacinamide and all these other types of ingredients? Is there some other kind of great ingredients that people don't know comes from biotech? So hyaluronic acid is one that a lot of people don't actually know comes from like was originally harvested from like sort of like the tail and neck of a rooster. I would say the largest one though, and the one that really sort of kicked off biotech's reputation and beauty is vitamin C. Vitamin C was founded in a lab in 1927, actually. And by 1933, it was actually known as the Reichstein process. And we synthesized this in a lab via vinegar. And it wasn't actually until the 1990s that this process really became improved into like what we know it to be today. And you still see this in the market. I mean, just yesterday, I was having a conversation with someone who was talking about the stabilization of the ascorbic acid and stabilizing this vitamin C because it is a huge market in skincare. And when you think about the biotech side of like being able to do this in the late 1920s, people were then even starting to not think about the fact that it would be one, economically totally unfeasible, and then two, completely destructive to these ecosystems in the world to be able to produce enough citrus to be able to extract that vitamin C naturally. So, you know, today when you look at vitamin C and ascorbic acid, it has the largest industrial production volume out of any vitamin across the board. And that's not just for beauty. I mean, we produce about 110 kilotons of it per year. And about 50% of that goes to pharma. And so, you know, there's only a small sliver of it, right? That's actually going into personal care and beauty. But for sure, I would say vitamin C is a biotech ingredient that every formulator is very familiar with and is probably in just about every range of skincare product that consumers are using today. You know, you work with so many different like founders and brands and even developing your own brand and all that kind of world. I'm curious to know, like, is there a way to get a very clean, like non-biotech vitamin C that is as stabilized as a biotech vitamin C? You know, no. Right now, I would say like, and there would be no reason to, right? Like the processes and the sort of ability for us to synthesize some of these chemicals like vitamin C in a lab would leave no brand even with the option to be able to scale and make that production naturally. One, just because of the cost, actually the majority of vitamin C is produced in China and even many suppliers across the world have fallen off because they have not been able to compete 
cost-wise with some of these suppliers that come out of China and synthesizing it in a lab. And two, not only just the cost, but when you look at like the environmental impact, I think no brand that's in the clean, sustainable space would ever go down the path of not choosing that. And then it also kind of dovetails into this piece of the conversation, which is like, what am I paying for, right? If a brand is out there preaching, we're chemical free, you know, da, 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 where's the innovation, right? Like if I'm paying X amount of dollars for a product at a luxury prestige store or retailer, I'm really going to be looking at the back of this and saying like, where is your intellectual property? Where's the innovation here? And part of the ways that brands are starting to do that is by creating these either owning this process, right? Or like creating patents and being able to look at complexes of ingredients that allow them to market themselves as superior or really actually doing the clinical work that's able to give them that data, that irrefutable stuff that's going to make consumers look at them in the market as a leader. So whether that's with vitamin C, with retinoids, we're really starting to see like a land grab in this space of like what brand is really going to innovate and who's going to have the best encapsulated lipid technology or like you're seeing all these new things come to market and that would be impossible without biotech or green chemistry. So you just brought up retinoids. And so I'm a big fan of vitamin A and retinol. And during the day, I have always a vitamin C, depending on the brand that I'm using. So I'm always testing new products out. And then I always finish my evening ritual, skincare ritual with a vitamin A, because it's the only thing that can keep me as youthful and dewy and as glowful. Like I love looking dewy and bright every day. And you always do. You always look so good. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. So like is a retinol also from the biotech world? Yes. I mean, so now a lot of the ways that all of these sort of like vitamin derivatives are synthesized are not necessarily, and I want to be careful in distinguishing, not necessarily biotech, because a lot of folks on the biotech side of beauty, they're talking about biological processes. So for a lot of them, that would be like fermentation. So squalane, for instance, right out of amorous, they're looking at like a farnesine molecule. They use like a catalyst and essentially it goes through this whole process of fermentation and that's considered biotech. There are some other ingredients that are actually synthesized via just like green chemistry, right? So they wouldn't technically be considered biotech and that's actually where some of the retinoids live. We can talk about synthetic molecules, but not all of them are actually truly derived from biotech. Some of them are just really innovative chemistry. And that's actually the part where I do a lot of my work on the development side is I think a lot of brands that are doing really innovative stuff on the raw materials front get lumped into this biotech sort of nomenclature under that umbrella. But there are still other parts of innovative science, especially on the green chemistry front that I think is worth distinguishing because a lot of brands actually may use synthetic ingredients that are not biotech derived, but a lot of them are marketed as biotech derived. But some synthetic molecules you can make in a lab and it's just a process of chemistry. Now, you know, when we sat down for dinner a few weeks back, I found it so amazing because you started talking about your day-to-day. And so talking about 
on your development side, on your everyday, what does lead you on a normal day, like when you go to work? So I love my job. I love what I do. I think that I feel grateful every day to wake up and do something that I love because I love this industry. And most of all, I love the people and I love chasing this innovation. So, I mean, I really have a 50-50 split. I spend probably half of my time in the lab working on actually at the bench on qualifying some of our raw materials and looking at them and being able to study them and their properties. And that's really the research and development. And then the other half of the time, I'm working with brands on formulation, working on really innovative ways to push the envelope and develop new products out there that are really going to be truly differentiated. And that's my bread and butter. It's not enough for me to go to a store and look at the back of an ingredients list and say like, well, there are a million other vitamin C serums out there or lip balms or XYZ. What brands are out there that are really discovering, right? Or giving us these differentiated products that I think are going to be like the, I'm always on the hunt for the next future of like what a heritage brand is going to be. And I know that you really align with that. So (laughs) another part of my day is also, you know, dreaming up that like, you know, what's a horse of a different color in this industry and who are they and where are they? Because I want to meet them and connect with them and work with them. Wow. That's what I love about you and your daily. It's like 50-50. It's 50% like all the science and in the lab and then 50% developing and meeting people and working with them on their formulas and on their brand, which is super exciting because you get to do both sides. You use both sides of your brain every day. I love that. And that split, it works. I love that. Your split personality is perfect. It's perfect. It works for me. I should have been a Gemini. But it works for me. And, you know, it's very flexible. Sometimes it's not always 50-50. You know, we, it depends on what we have going on on the business development front and other things. But the wonderful thing about science is there is so much to explore. And for a long time, the large multinationals were really the ones with all the keys to the kingdom. And the same could be said on the fragrance side for, you know, the way that they conducted business and made their science publicly available, which was to a very small amount of people that for years, people have sort of criticized that model as being too much of an ivory tower. And now recently we've seen this whole shift, especially around this sort of like digital science communication influencer sphere, where there's a lot more information out there in the world that people have access to, particularly around product development and ingredient sourcing and just like the beauty industry in general. But with that also comes a lot of misinformation that, you know, I also feel partly responsible for getting out there and educating people on the science, because a lot of the times the answer is like, we just don't know right now, but we need people working on it. And that's a really inspiring thing. So this is off the cuff, but I wanted to find out like when you're out there, what are the brands that are really exciting you right now? What is catching your eye and what is in your cabinet at home? What are you using? Oh, I'll tell you what I'm using. I actually just switched up my routine. So I know the viewers here cannot see, but a brand that I'm really excited about that I've actually recently connected with is called Do, pronounced Dieu, like God. And I have some of their things here. I'm very excited about them. Their team is really pushing 
the envelope when it comes to creating a really transparent beauty brand. And I'm very impressed with their formulations and the way that they've been able to market them, communicate all their sustainability information to the consumer. It's just really sort of flipped, I think, the traditional clean beauty marketing story on its head. This team has an answer for absolutely everything that they've done, and I really admire it. And the formulations are really strong. I mean, they've left no stone unturned when it came to the research of their actives, giving people a reason for exactly why they put something in an aluminum tube and not plastic or vice versa. So that's a brand that I've been really excited about. And they're small, you know, they're not that small, but they're up and coming on the radar. Another brand that I've recently just started trying this week was actually Jordan Samuel Skin. And I had sort of been in his orbit through other people in the space that I know that said wonderful things about one of his cleansers. So I'm currently using that. And whenever I can, I like, like you, I like to work with people that are really passionate founders or people that really care, are willing to learn, are willing to admit when they're wrong or strive for better in innovation. And I definitely see that across their line. And I'm trying to think of some others. We have a lot there in the bathroom right now. A lot of test samples, a lot of advent calendar stuff already starting to pop up. My husband's like, enough is enough, you know? It's like, what do you need all this for? No moss. No, no moss. moss. Like, enough. I have my own bathroom and it's still too much. Oh, look at you. Lucky you. I know. How fab. I know. We needed it. I don't think I kind of brought this up earlier, but you're such a great resource for all these young brands. Can you tell us, because we are, most of our listeners are either young brands and entrepreneurs or stores that we work with and brands that we work with. So I want the listeners to know exactly what kind of a resource are you, Lee Winters, to any young brand that's out there that's also working on formulas and working on their inkies. What is it that you can bring to them? Ooh, well, a lot of things, I hope. One, I really see myself as a Rolodex for other people as well. I mean, I love connecting people. And I think that that's what makes the world go round, not only in a karmic sense, but also because this industry is really small. And when I work with some brands, they come to me, especially on the indie front or when we're working together, and they have a laundry list of things that we need to work on, whether that's packaging, whether that's copywriting, whether that's claims, PR, and I'm not the expert on everything, but I know them or I know many of them, right? So I think a big part of breaking into beauty is connecting with the right people and understanding who's going to be that right fit for your team at this moment in time in where you want to grow or where you want to scale. So what I really like to work on is actually my bread and butter is raw materials, which is usually the blackest box when it comes to indie beauty. A lot of brands that we work with have the marketing down, they have like, you know, their packaging, they're able to do a life cycle analysis on that. But when it comes to their ingredients, they're like, yeah, we score the weakest in that area, right? Like if this was a test. So people really come to me and are like, is this a solid formula? Is this something that is really innovative? Where can we tweak this to make it something that's going to be a novel offering in the marketplace. And, you know, sometimes the answer is this is just not it. And I know you probably have that experience being on, 
you know, the other side of that, which is like when these brands are ready for retail and when they are ready to go to market and they want someone to be their distributor or represent them in retail and you don't feel that energetic connection with it, or you're just like, this is doing nothing for me. How can we work with that? And sometimes it's an art and a science. And, you know, as you know, there are some brands that either have that X factor or they don't. And sometimes it can be infused later on, like working with people and sort of understanding how to get them to a point where this brand could be a cult favorite, right? We just need to redo packaging or we need to get somebody else in here working on some of this stuff. I would say the biggest advice I would say that I often end up giving brands is connecting them to some really gifted formulators because so many brands and folks that don't come from the beauty background or a technical background often go the white label route or they go with this private label. Oh, no. You know, these sort of mass (laughs) formulas and it's just not enough to convince people in this saturated market that their product is going to be superior or better, especially when they're playing at the mastige and prestige level. For me, it's like those private label brands really hurt my soul. And there are a lot of them. There's so many of them. Their majority are all private label that's in market. And so for me, I pride myself in trying to like get through all that noisy space when I'm talking to a brand founder, I can tell if these are their formulas. I can look at their inkies and like be like, okay, this is not theirs. And so for me, I can't work with brands that are private label. Unfortunately, it's just something that I've told myself I can't do. And I don't like to retell them on my website either because I got into this business because I love it. And I got into this business because I wanted to give the consumer the best quality products that they can find out there. Not all these mass brands and all these celebrity brands, like all these brands out there are so terrible. If you look at their formulas, they do absolutely nothing for you, but I can't even take it. Like I just found out Jared Leto has a brand now and I'm like, I can't even take this anymore. Every week there's like five new celebrities that are launching skincare, which mind you, I've never even liked their skin to begin with if I look at it. (laughs) And you want to know the biggest question. I mean, you know, you bring up Jared Leto and it's not only the celebrity, right? It's like even recently we've had a group of these male celebrity entrepreneurs that openly have absolutely no interest in beauty, no interest in skincare. You know, Brad Pitt, when he dropped his new Le Domain or whatever a few weeks ago, even shared with people like... I don't have a routine. I think he, you know, he kind of guffawed in the interview and was like, no, you know, I never really like cared about that. And, you know, you see the same thing in the press for Jared Leto's new line, which is like, you know, I never really cared about this. And all of us are sitting here thinking like, yeah, it's just a money grab. You probably have this PR team and business development people that are like, get in while it's hot, or we see a market here for you to sort of capitalize on. It's a real disservice to the amazing people in this industry, like you and I and some of the other brands that I mentioned earlier that are wonderful entrepreneurs, that are people that have their hearts and souls in the right place, and that are really living and breathing this and are so passionate about it that, like you said, they would never go down this private label route. But you know, we're really at this celebrity beauty brand saturation, enough is enough, unless you're bringing something really novel to the market with your fabulous team. We don't care. We don't want it. 
I don't want it. Like even like a few weeks back when like Barker, Travis Barker's brand launched, I was like, what does he know about skincare? Like I just- Expensive, very expensive CBD, right? Yeah. And actually I did, when I was in that cut article, that the piece that came out in New York Magazine, the cut, it was the beginning of CBD. And during pandemic, CBD died and it had this slow death. And so it would have probably done really well if we didn't hit pandemic and then people got into other wellness ingredients and adaptogens and other things like that. But I also, right now, most of my CBD skincare focused brands have removed the CBD. So they're removing a lot of the CBD out of their products. And so, yeah, you know, and it's hard because most of them are on the, you know, Shopify platforms and they can't sell CBD on their e-commerce sites. And a lot of our retailers can't either. And so it kind of slows down unless it's a direct to consumer brand. It's really hard to, for me to do my job and get it out into market. What I love about talking to someone like you is I can talk about anything and we can just go in circles, but you know, I just love, love, love when people create products for the right reasons. I love when they create a product that they can't find for themselves. And so they create it for a necessity. I love when they look at me and they're sparkling and they're telling me no exit strategy. They're talking to me about why they love what they do and why they created this and they're in it for the long haul and they have that passion and love for it. You know, one of my favorite founders was Sasha from Ilya that came into my showroom with six lip conditioners. And I knew for a fact that she wasn't thinking about an exit strategy. She was just thinking about getting the product out there. You know, she was like doing design work and art directing work for brands. And she was reading these ingredients and she's like, I can't put this out there. I grew up with a mother that was so based on health and wellness. And I grew up in Vancouver and this is not what I want out there. So she created a lip conditioning line in the beginning, which was six lip conditioners that were clean and they were, you know, something that she couldn't find for herself. And so that is what makes a powerful brand happen when you're creating something out of necessity or out of passion and not thinking, of course, she had the biggest acquisition all year. Right. Look at Ilya now, right? That's what I want to say. Like when, and that is, and it's this deep spiritual truth that I believe when you operate from the heart everything falls into alignment. And of course, that is way easier said than done in business for brands like Ilya and everyone else that has had massive exits and grown a brand or shuttered a brand, like, right? But it's true. There is just this, it's magic. I mean, there's just no other way to describe it. And you're so good at reading people, David, like when they come into your showroom and they give you their presentation or show up with their products you have that intuitive sense, which many people do not, in being able to identify that spirit of founders that are really in it for the right reasons or that are really in it to make a change in the world and not just for themselves, but for other people, for other marginalized groups, for founders that like them that they didn't see represented in this industry growing up. And that's an amazing thing because you've given that opportunity to so many people and will continue and continue to do with Materia and all the work that you're doing in that space. Yeah. My dream is to have my own little store and a beautiful coffee book out there someday with the most amazing brand founders that have done it for the right reasons. And I wanted either Rizzoli or Asseline, if you're listening, come to me. I have the best founders that have created the best brands that live the most beautiful lives. I never do anything because of the money because of course, you know, I do it because I love what I do and it's given me a great life through the process. And I think for me, it's like, if you find what you love, 
you're going to be successful at anything you do. And you have to do it always from the heart and with integrity. And so that's why I love people like you, because from the moment I met you, I knew first and foremost that you came from such great roots and that you have such great integrity and that you have passion for everything you do. And when you speak about biotech, like I never thought it was sexy until you opened your mouth and talked about it. It's sexy and it is here to stay and it is the future. So you will not hear the last of me and all these other people, but it's wonderful to be at the forefront. I mean, just like how you are for all of these brands, like what we do and how we can sort of carve the future. It keeps me excited. It gets me up in the morning to be a part of this industry and being a part of the wonderful changes that it's undergoing. I love it. We're in the front lines of beauty. We are. And we will continue to be because you need a coffee book. So I will put all the good vibes out to the universe that- And I need a store. And you need a store. And I'm going to help you find that retail location. I hope you're thinking bi-coastal. Yes, of course. One here in LA, one in New York, my two favorite cities in America. But, you know, I think before our whole episode here is talking about ingredients and what matters out there and materia means matter- in Latin. So I always ask all of our guests, what truly matters in your life, Lee? Honestly, the pure love that I get from my inner circle, that is the most important thing to me in the world, matters more than anything. Without that love, I don't think I would be able to do the work that I do. And I don't think that we would be able to inspire other people. I always have this belief that to be truly loved and seen and heard and held by other people it just ignites something in someone else or in yourself that allows that, I think, to be reflected on other people. So even if I'm a small part in somebody else's story, in allowing that spark of inspiration to flicker on, I always think that if everybody in the world had that, was touched by inspiration, like all the beautiful things that we could create or all the problems that we could solve, it's a beautiful thing to think about, but it starts with love and it starts with community. That's so beautifully said. And I, you know, I run my whole life through my heart chakra. Everything comes from my heart and everything in my life, I do it from my heart. And so I think it's very important. Like, I love what you just said. So to all our listeners, she is truly an inspiration. Lee Winters is not only gorgeous from the outside, but she's phenomenally gorgeous from the inside. And not only is she beautiful, she's super smart. <laughs> well, you're not going to publish the video, right? No. <laughs> no, you look actually stunning. So thank you so much for being on our episode and on our show. Thank you so much for being here, Lee. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure and I could talk to you about all of this all day. Me too. We're going to have to do that. We're going to have to go away for a weekend somewhere and just sip cocktails and discuss beauty. We're going to go Hacienda de San Antonio, Cadeus. Yes, please. I literally, I was looking at pictures the other day and my husband, Jack, was like, yeah, like you and David like can go on the next trip there. Like I'm bowing out. I've been enough. I was like, okay, no problem. We're going to make it a beauty retreat for Materiae and putting it out there. Love. So we'll do it. I love that. Amazing. Well, thank you, Lee. You're awesome. I know. I love you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Lee. She is always a true inspiration. From the moment I met her 
on one of my webinars during pandemic. She truly always brings a smile to my face and is always educating me on biotech and everything having to do with formulas in the industry. Until next time. <laughs>